very warm welcome to the Understanding Users podcast, brought to you by Researchable UX. It's great to have you with me. I'm your host, Mike Green. I'm a freelance user research lead and digital consultant based in the UK. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to be chatting to various digital experts who I've had the pleasure of working with in recent years. They're from various disciplines, including user research, UX design, development, and product management. And they'll even be a digital business owner or two. I'll be talking to them about how they came to be in their current roles, what they've learned along the way, and what advice they may have for others getting into the field. These are intended to be relaxed, informal chats with professionals who are keen to share their experiences. So sit back and enjoy. Sophie Dennis is the Conference Programme Chair of the SD in Gov, which is short for Service Design in Government Conference, held in Edinburgh in Scotland in September 2022. The conference is aimed at participants who manage, design or develop central and local government services, health and education services, emergency sector services, civic technologies and others, including government employees, consultants and design agencies. In this episode, Sophie and I chat about this year's conference, which is returning in person again after running remotely in 2021 due to the pandemic. We discuss the inspiring keynote speakers and the varied programme of engaging live sessions, interactive group sessions and speaker Q&A, plus an all-important hallway track where attendees can meet and share experiences with fellow practitioners. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Sophie, welcome to Understanding Users. Hi Mike, lovely to meet you. Likewise. So tell me a little bit more about the conference, because it sounds it sounds uh, intriguing and I know there's a lot going on in the, over the three days. So um, Service Design and Government has been going for nearly 10 years now. In fact, next year will be the 10th anniversary conference. Um, it covers anything relating to what it says on the tin for a start. So people doing service design in government right around the world. Um, but we've worked quite hard over the last few years to expand that a bit. Um, so in particular, it's not just for people working directly um, for governments. Uh, it covers anyone designing um, public services of any kind. So most obvious would be things like healthcare, but also people working in the third sector, voluntary organisations um, and so forth. So we've, we've expanded that out quite a bit. And also inevitably, when you talk about designing public services, um, we're often not just talking about designing services either, but how you provide more uh, sort of wraparound, um, supportive work that doesn't necessarily manifest itself literally through a service, certainly not through a, a transaction with between a citizen and a member of the government. Right. So it sounds like the intended audience is not just obviously service designers, but kind of more broadly policy people, uh, researchers, interaction yes. designers, yes. etc. Yeah. I'd say anyone... You know, service design is a practice, has become a sort of job title, but it's not just for people with that job title. It's anyone doing that work to say, how can we make um, government, other public services, like I say, whether it's healthcare, whether it's voluntary sector, work better for the people they're there to serve Right, uh, is a good way of thinking about it. So you might be a user researcher, you might be a designer, you might be a, a commissioner or a manager. And tell me a little bit more about the the structure of the conference, Sophie. So, an attendee, what can they expect in terms of kind of how the day? Because it's over three days, isn't it? Yes, it's over. It's a it's a three day conference. It runs across uh, anywhere between three and five tracks at any one time, depending on how many talks we've got on. Often, if we have a a workshop, a big half day workshop or something, we might have two or three talks on against that as well. So, often one of the biggest challenges of the conference is just deciding what to go to. 
because you'll have to pick between three or four things at once, just like if you're going to a, a music festival or something. And inevitably, the two things you want to see are on at the same time. So I apologise to everybody for that. I do my best. Um, so it's a mix of talks and workshops, different lengths, anything from a half hour to one hour talks, depending on how in-depth someone wants to get. And with the workshops, they can run for up to sort of two or three hours. So there are some opportunities to do just get really deep dive hands on with a a technique or something like that in one of our workshops as well. Fantastic. And is there an overarching theme this year? Um, We haven't got a single theme, I think, this year. I had in my head, I think over this year and probably next year as well, we'll be doing a bit of both reflecting on what the last 10 years has been for designing services in government. If we mark a clear era that started with the formation of the Government Digital Service in the UK, uh, which stood up in about sort of 2012, which really provided a big catalyst for to really jumpstarting user-centred agile approaches to service design in government. But there have been lots of people talking about it for a long time before then, but that definitely started an era. And so we're coming up to that kind of 10th anniversary. So it's quite a good, interesting moment to look back on where we've come and where the practice has gone and also where where do we go next? And I think that's always been a big, strong theme of the the conference. We get a lot of um, very experienced service designers. Um, They're not looking for basic technique kind of talks. They come to the conference because this is where you get together with um, other people with similar experiences and similar backgrounds and can have some quite stretching conversations and be quite reflective about thinking about um, how we can develop um, what we're doing uh, to further improve services for the public. So I think, um, you know, and in chatting with a couple of the keynoters as well, we reflected that really the first 10 years of improving public services have been very focused on those transactional services where a citizen just needs something from government or from a support organisation, uh, applying for a passport, um, getting your driving licence, uh, even quite um, challenging ones like applying for a lasting power of attorney, which is not a straightforward process, but it's still you need to fill in a form and you get something back for it. Um, and increasingly, people that are involved in designing policy, um, which is quite a challenging area and particular that often doesn't lead to those sort of transactional services or it isn't about interacting directly with a citizen, but might be about interacting with um, other organisations or partners or how we create those outcomes for the public when you don't have quite such a direct lever over them as you fill in a form and I give you something in return. So those are definite themes um, that we'll be drawing out. We'll also be carrying on the conversation we've been having over the last few years about um, designing in a more deeply collaborative way with communities, really, um, in order to reduce often inequalities in public services, but also to recognise that um, you know, services can often be something that are imposed on people, um, what I often call the well-meaning white people problem, um, rather than genuinely asking people in communities actually what would most help them and what they've already got, that they just perhaps need a bit of support to help make better in their community or in their own lives. So that's something that we've been talking about a bit. I've had several sessions and keynotes on over the last two years, and that will be carrying on as well this year. 
And, and you mentioned the, the keynotes. I think there are three keynotes this year. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about kind of who they are and what they're going to be talking about. Yeah, I'm really pleased with the trio we've got lined up. So we'll be kicking off on Wednesday with Rebecca Kemp. And I think she really exemplifies that. Um, where have we gone on a journey in the last 10 years? So she did a lot of work in the early days um, with and for GBS, very steeped in that approach. Then she went off and spent three years as Director of Customer Journeys for Citizens Advice, which is probably an exemplar, really, of what I was talking about, of a, a third sector organisation, very adjacent to government, often picking up the pieces where government can't or won't um, provide the support the citizens need, helping them navigate those really difficult services. And just recently, she's moved into the private sector, um, working with a design innovation company. And I think it'd be really interesting to hear how those three different experiences come together. And she's going to talk about, again, you know, what now and what next really was the, what she and I discussed when talking about her keynote. Then on Thursday, we've got Shabira Papain, who is hugely experienced in that approach of really co-designing with communities and is particularly going to help us draw out how do you bring that together with your agile user-centered approaches um, so that you're doing it authentically and ethically but you can also fit into these faster delivery cycles and that's something she's done quite a bit through the pandemic working with organizations like the NHS, who, of course, we had to stand up services incredibly fast during the pandemic, and there was no time to go and steep oneself in a community for six months or 12 months. Um, and she's recently become chief executive of the Democracy Club. So I think that will be a very interesting angle that she'll bring to that as well. Um, and then we'll build on that on Friday with Paul Maltby, who I'm really thrilled is coming to talk. Um, he's chief digital officer at the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities. They're really interesting because they very much are and think of themselves as a policy department. They don't really provide services to um, the general public at all. Everything they do is working with to support community organisations or local authorities or working with the property sector um, in this country around issues about sort of uh, to land and development and things like that. So he's going to really talk about the journey his team have been on over the last couple of years of both talking to the organisation about how actually it does have services, even though it thinks it's a policy department. So I think that'll be fascinating. And also the work they've done to try and support and foster um, digital within local authorities, which is a really fascinating area. We get a lot of people who come to the conference from local authorities. So I think they'll make quite an interesting blend. Um, and how do you work effectively as a, a national organisation? A lot of what you do is actually delivered through local partners, I think that will resonate very much, particularly with colleagues who work in, in the NHS and other similar government departments, where you have this very federated delivery model, which is incredibly challenging then to design services around because you don't you don't own the end-to-end. -end. We always like talking about in service design, oh, it's all about the overall end-to-end -end journey and the outcome for the member of the public. And actually when the organization you work for isn't actually responsible for that whole end-to-end -end journey, it makes things uh, interesting. Wow, lots to ponder there. That, yeah. that sounds great. Um, and in terms of the, uh, we, we talked about it as a sort of three-day face-to-face conference, yeah. obviously coming off the back of the last couple of sort of traumatic years for us all. How has that affected the way you've run the conference in the past and how you sort of plan to run it in the future? For me personally, it's quite a weird experience because the last in-person conference was 
at the beginning of March 2020. Wow. For a lot of us, and, you know, people do come to the conference year after year. I think for anyone like me who was there, it's going to feel a bit strange as a sort of bookend of it, that that just right before that lockdown for many of us, it was the last conference we went to. It was the last big gathering. Um, Certainly for me, it was, you know, I was maybe in the office for three or four days after the conference. And then, you know, I've been working from home ever since. I'm talking to you from my home office uh, where I've been. Um, We had a virtual conference last year and that was quite, um, it it wasn't the same. I was interested how very much I missed the, um, we always talk about the corridor track, the conversations that you have after the session, because so much of it is you you go and you, you, you listen to a speaker or you take part in the workshop but then it's reflecting on what you've heard with your fellow attendees. And I think that's one of the strengths of the conference often is it's not uh, the speakers on stage or the people with all the grand ideas and we're just the little people in the audience. It's very much about building what on what you hear from the speakers and developing those ideas together as the sort of 300, 350 people. Um, it'll be, probably be quite weird for me personally. It'll be absolutely the biggest event I've been to since COVID by a very long chalk. So I'm not quite sure how we're going to feel about that. Um, but I think it's going to be really good to get back together. And I know quite a few people have said in buying tickets, you know, they'd always, they decided they weren't going to do this traveling and going to big international conferences. But actually for this one, yeah, they're, they're going to come. And this will be one of the ones that they, you know, put on their calendars. You know, that's that's the in-person conference I'm going to try doing. That's great. And, and you mentioned, uh, well, we talked about signing up. Now, I think I understand that Good news, but obviously bad news for any potential attendees. It's sold out this year, that's right. But it obviously is. we'll be running again next year. Yeah, and we'll be back next year, 10th anniversary. Um, haven't quite worked out what we're going to do, but I think that will be the sort of crescendo of this looking back and looking forwards. I think the lesson for next year is if you feel you've missed out this year, get in early getting a ticket. We had we were very close to selling out before the programme came out, which I think tells you what a key event this is in a lot of people's calendar and the way you know even without knowing exactly what's on the program you know it's going to be a good program you know interesting people will have submitted talks and will have picked out a really good and varied selection that really you know does something for everybody whether you want to come and be quite practical and hands-on whether you want to be much more philosophical and reflective you will get a good mix of stuff that will work for you so I think the next thing for next year is get on the mailing list. Um, there is a wait list for this year. You know, we do sometimes have people, particularly um, with the kind of work a lot of people do, who get quite close to the wire and go, oh, actually, I can only come for the Thursday. I can only come for the Friday. I can't come after all. So do get on the wait list for this year if you're someone who can, you know, turn themselves around quite quickly in terms of grabbing a ticket. Um, make sure you're on the mailing list because then you'll get notified when tickets go on sale next year and probably worth um, buying a ticket early Um they are cheaper when you buy early, so there's an extra incentive there. <laughs> and where can people find out about the tickets and, and the programme this year? Just typing SD in Gov into your choice of search engine and that will pop up with the website. Fantastic. Okay. I'll put the, uh, no, uh, the link to that in the show notes as well for everyone. A um, couple of final questions. How do you see um, this discipline you know, sort of service design user experience evolving over the next few years, as you sort of said, you know, GDS in terms of government and public sector was a huge catalyst for it. And things are moving at pace, as we know, digital realm is, you know, change is happening ever faster. What, you know, a broad brush stroke of the future, where are we going? I think 
we still haven't really embedded as a discipline and worked out how we bring the elements of co-design and community development together with user-centered design. It, it's not something you need to do for every service you're designing if you're designing a fairly straightforward digital transaction. Um, crack on. And But there's some really interesting people doing pioneering work and figuring it out. So I think that's a definite place that we're going is working more strongly with communities. I think some of it is probably learning from those other disciplines. I've just spent uh, the last two years working in NHS Test and Trace and certainly things like how closely we're able to embed disciplines like behavioural science alongside our work, I think is still quite emergent, not mainstream, certainly is how we'd all work. There are a lot of interesting things going on there. So that's another one I probably pull out. And I think these areas of bringing these tools to bear on policy, how, what does it mean to be innovative in government, I think is a really interesting question. But I certainly don't have answers to. Um, but again, one of the reasons I'm quite excited to hear from Rebecca Kemp as a keynote is what does innovation mean in the private sector? What do we really mean to be innovative? It's, it can be a bit of a badge sometimes um, rather than, than sort of more deeply embedded. So I think that's probably another thing that would be on my mind as well. And in terms of the private sector, obviously, we're very much focused here on, on government and public sector and public services. What lessons can the private sector learn from government or share with government in terms of digital transformation? Because they're sometimes viewed as not antagonistic, but they're kind of approached in different ways because obviously there's different drivers and different pressures and budgetary and time, et cetera, et cetera. I definitely see the things that government can learn from the public, from the private sector. That was the one of the really interesting things working with Test and Trace early on was it really did bring together um, people with tons of experience in the NHS, tons of experience with government digital services with people who come from digital startups, technology companies, scale-ups, those kind of things. And I think they did bring a perspective of you can apply what in the private sector you'd call customer-focused thinking more to government services. Now, the word customer makes a lot of people in the public sector very, very uncomfortable. It took me going to work for someone who was steeped in that um, language of talking about customers and customer experience um, to get really comfortable with it and and to hear how she translated that to the, the public sector and this, this thinking of our customers as the people we serve. Um, but I think we are quite unsophisticated as to how we measure experiences and connect them to outcomes in a measurable, quantifiable way. That's partly because that is very, very, very hard to do in government, um, to, to actually trace a person's journey through all those disparate steps to actually get to the outcome they want. But I think if we brought that service design thinking that says, think about the whole outcome, think about the whole journey, and then got all the different organisations involved in delivering all the touch points in that journey together to look at how we're going to measure it, how we're going to identify where we're most letting people down there and then connect that quantifiably to say, if you improve the customer experience, if you're happy, or user experience, whatever phrase you're happy using, if, I, if we improve the customer experience at this, this and this point, we will get better outcomes and lead to better lives for citizens. Um, I think that would be very, very powerful. I don't think we've quite got the evidence yet to do that. And that's probably, again, one of those cross-discipline things. You know, we've 
coming more from digital user-centered design, we're often not deeply embedded in metrics and measurement and those kind of things. And I think that's somewhere that we can really build on as well. Fascinating. And no doubt there'll be lots more discussion in that vein at, at SD and Gov coming I'm up sure, soon. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Understanding Users podcast and special thanks to my guest, Sophie Dennis. If you enjoyed what you heard, do please like or comment wherever you're listening and feel free to share this episode more widely. And feel free, of course, to drop me a line with any feedback via LinkedIn or my website, researchable.uk. Links are in the show notes. This is the first of three episodes featuring SD and Gov 2022. Join me for part two and I'll be in person at the conference, chatting to attendees, capturing their thoughts and reflections on what they've learned and how those learnings can benefit them in their roles. In the meantime, stay safe and stay user-centred.